Welcome to the Grace Athens podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We at Grace Athens exist to be a center and a sender for the kingdom of God. We do this by reintroducing Jesus to all people for the renewal of all things. So we hope that as you listen to this sermon or this podcast, that you would feel introduced to Jesus and his presence, and that by his presence, you would feel renewed. So once again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's good to come to you in your living room or dorm room, wherever you find yourself this morning. Uh, let's do this. Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18 is where we are in our Acts journey. And what we're going to find today is that Paul's story here in Acts 18 is our own story. What he's going through In chapter 18, we're going to all be able to relate to. On the surface, it would seem like Paul's story is definitely not my story. Right here in Acts 17 and 18, he's hopping around different cities in ancient Greece, and he's going there, and he's preaching the gospel and discipling people. Um, But what we're going to find is his story is very much our story because his story deals with the unknown of life, and so does ours. You see, most of life is lived in the unknown, right? You know this. Let's say you're moving to a new city. I was talking with a good friend today who's moving to a new city, and so much of our conversation was about the unknown. He doesn't know what awaits him there, and there's always a little bit of angst about that. Maybe for you, it's leaving that job or leaving that major that you've already put a year into uh, to pursue something else. There's, There's all kinds of unknown with that, or it's an illness that happens in your own life or in your family? How's this going to affect me over the years? There's all kinds of unknown. Most of life is lived right there in the unknown. And we're going to see that in Paul's story. And I think there's some insights for us today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are in your story, your journey, um, and how things are going. But all of us live most of life on the road of the unknown. And so I think there's a word for us here, Grace family, that, 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 that can really show us how to live wisely, the kingdom way, as we live life on this road of the unknown. So let's, let's pick up the story. Right there in verse 1, remember he's just left Athens, uh, finished there in Acts 17, and now he's moving on. Let's pick up the first verse. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, that was the Roman emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he, and he, went, and, and he went to see them. Verse 3, And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Let's stop there. Let's give some context to what ha- what's happening right here in Paul's story. He's in Athens. He takes a two-day journey. It would have been a two-day journey uh, on foot. Or what some scholars say is if he took uh, the, the sea, if he went by boat and there was good winds, he could get to Corinth in four hours, just south of Athens. This is ancient Greece. What you knew about Corinth at that time is Corinth was a huge city, a metropolis. 
And Paul is going to this new place, just like my friend I told you about. There's all kinds of unknown as he's going to Corinth, all things that he's unsure about what will happen there. And Corinth was known in an ancient time for kind of being a bit of a sin city. It was infamous for its immorality. Maybe for us, there's some comparison with like a Las Vegas or something like that. But it was this big city known for really everything that Paul wasn't comfortable with. And so it's a massive unknown. In fact, we even get a window into kind of how he felt his comfort level in this new city, Corinth, by what he says in his letter to the Corinthians. If you just turn over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you get a window into what's going on in Paul's mind and heart as he goes to this new city. Right there in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, or verse 3, he said, And I was with you, with you in Corinth, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Those are the three ways he characterizes his time in Corinth. Weakness, fear, he's afraid, and there was much trembling. So Corinth was this unknown for him. There was this saying back in the, in, in, in the ancient times uh, when Corinth was a flourishing city, they would use this verb to talk about uh, the city and its kind of loose living. It, would, it was called to Corinthicize. It was a verb to Corinthicize, to live like these Corinthians, to, to live in licentious living like the New Testament talks about. This is the place he's going to. And there's all kinds of unknown. So you pick up in the story, back in Acts 18, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and, and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. So he gets to this new city, and the whole reason he's there doesn't work. He's unsuccessful, right? I know for me, I've moved to several different towns uh, in my 34 years. Uh, I went to several different colleges. If there's anyone out there on that track, I, I get it. I went to three different schools. And a lot of times when I would go to a new place, the first six to 12 months weren't easy. And I was quick to judge, am I supposed to be here? Did God really call me here? It's not going like I thought I would. It's not successful. And that's what's happening right here in Paul's story. It wasn't successful in the synagogues. And so verse 7, it says, He left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. So where he was ministering and it wasn't working, he goes next door and it says, verse 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So he's there, he's starting to see some good fruit happen. And then this thing happens in Paul's story right here that I think uh, has a lot to say to us. Verse 9 says this, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, the Lord said this, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. 
And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Wouldn't that be nice, right? I don't know where you are in your journey of the unknown, but wouldn't that be nice to have this night vision, it says, where the Lord speaks to you and says these kinds of words. Don't be afraid. You're in the right place. Stay here. Don't be silent. Continue on. And then he gives them this promise. No one will attack you or harm you as you're here in this big, new, scary city, right? Wouldn't that kind of word of assurance be amazing? And sometimes, some of us, maybe we've gotten those. And some of us, we think we've gotten those, but it didn't pan out the way that we thought we heard the Lord, right? So much of Paul's story here, y'all, is our own story, our own walk with God. There's so many parallels. Look what happens. He gets this assurance that no one will harm you, no one will attack you. Look at verse 12. But when Galio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. Let's pause there. Right there, he had got a word from the Lord saying, no one will attack you. And then the very opposite seems to happen. Has that ever happened to you? Where you feel like you've gotten a word from the Lord and then the very next moment it seems like the opposite is happening, right? And sometimes it might seem like, is this the enemy attacking this word and trying to steal it from me? Is it life circumstance? Did I not hear from God? How many of you, I know I've been through this, have thought we heard from the Lord, but it didn't happen the way we thought we heard God say it to us. It makes you wonder. It makes you wonder, can I hear from God? Does God really speak to me? Am I crazy? Am I just hyper-spiritualizing my life to think that God would give me this word of assurance like he gave Paul here? We all go through this, and Paul's in the midst of it. He gets a word, and then it seems like the opposite happens. But let's pick up what takes place in the story. Verse 14. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. So Galileo, who was brother to the famous Roman philosopher Seneca, this is all historical stuff we're reading here, he says, hey, this isn't worth my time. Why are you bringing this man and saying that I need to put him uh, in prison or, 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 or uh, assassination of the state? Why are you bringing this man to me? I, I, I have nothing to say about this. And then Paul gets out of the situation. What's going on here is that the Lord gives Paul this assurance. No one will attack you. No one will harm you. It seems like the opposite is happening because he's before the governor on trial. And yet the governor says, I want nothing to do with it. This man is free to go. He's free to go. I bring no charges against Paul. What's happening is what the Lord said would happen. He wouldn't let anyone harm him. God fulfilled the word that he gave Paul in time. Didn't look like Paul thought it would, 
but the Lord fulfilled it. And this is what's interesting, is because this happened, because of this pronouncement by Goliath, Paul was then free for the next 10 years to preach in the Roman Empire. So God absolutely delivered on his word of assurance. Quite a fascinating story in Paul's life. Here's where I want to bring it home to us. What about when that doesn't happen? What about when we don't get that word of assurance? We don't have that night vision or that dream or that intuition or that prophetic word from a friend. And we're unsure of what's going to happen in this new city or if I leave this job or if this illness gets worse or whatever it is for you or in this new relationship or leaving this relationship, whatever that might be. What do we do without that? Reality is, is that Paul most of the time didn't have that assurance. If you flip over two chapters in Acts 20, he again lets you into his state of mind and his walk with Jesus. And he says right there in Acts 20, picking up in verse 22, he's talking about going now to Jerusalem. He says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing, there's the unknown, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. What, a, what an assurance to have. I don't know what will happen, but I know at least this typically happens, that I am afflicted and I am imprisoned. He says, verse 24, but I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Reality is, is that Paul didn't typically have this night vision and this assurance. For Paul and for us, most of life is lived in the unknown. Sometimes we get these words of assurance, right? And they're precious to us. I love the times they've happened to me. Man, they are cataloged in my journal. And I return to them often. And I, I encourage you to do the same. It's a great practice to have. But what, what those really are is the, those words of assurance, they kind of become like mile markers, right? If you think of life as this road, right? And you have so many years on this road. These words of assurance are like these mile markers that get staked in the ground. But, but as we go from one mile marker to the next, and it might not be for years, it might not be from decades, till you hear that word of assurance again, in between each mile marker, each word of assurance from God, there's the unknown. There's the road of the unknown, not knowing what will happen or how things will play out in your life. This is where most of life is lived. I think of life in this way. Life is a slow unfolding and not a sure plan, right? Isn't that how your life has gone so far? I know for me, if you were to ask me, let's say at 18, what my plan was for my life, and then ask me now, is that what's happened? No, not at all. Not at all. If you ask someone older than me, someone in their 50s or 60s, did life unfold the way you planned it? They would say no. Life is not this sure plan. It's not this A to B to C kind of thing. 
Life is this slow unfolding. It's like a wave in the ocean that just slowly unfolds and crests as it reaches the shore. That's how life is. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. You see, we live in this myth of control, right? That we think we create our future. It's just not true. That's not what the scriptures reveal to us about life. It is this slow unfolding, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade. It is a slow unfolding. There are, there are, there are folks watching this right now in our congregation that will tell you that there have been amazing things that have happened, that have happened to them that they did not plan. There's also been tragic things that have happened to them that they did not plan. Life is this unfolding and it's this unfolding of the unknown. Life is really far less about a plan of accomplishments and it's more about faithfulness. Did you hear that? Life is not about accomplishments it's about faithfulness it's about being faithful to who God's called you to be it's about being faithful to your spouse it's about being faithful to the work that God's called you to it's not about accomplishments it's not even about results we don't know what will happen I don't know what will unfold over the next six months of my life I could die tomorrow all kinds of awesome and tragic things could happen And in that understanding of life, life's not about you having this great plan to accomplish things. It's about faithfulness. Eugene Peterson said it this way. He says, life with following God is a long obedience in the same direction. That's what it's about. A long obedience, a long faithfulness in the same direction. You see, because life is not a sure plan, it's more a faithful following of Jesus. We don't know where the Lord will lead us. We don't know how life will unfold like that wave in front of us, like that road out on the horizon. We don't know. And so life is far less about accomplishing all these things and it's far more about this faithful following. Those two words, faithful following a faithful following of Jesus, that no matter what happens or doesn't happen, by God's grace, I'm faithful to who he's called me to be and what he's called me to do. I'm just faithfully following Jesus into the next day, into the next week, into the next month. This is what we see in Paul's story here in Acts 18 and throughout the scriptures, that life is a faithful following. And so wherever you are today, whatever's going on in your season of life, the plans you're making, the things you're dreaming for, the things you're unsure about, I want you to hear this word and I want you to deeply take it in and reflect on it and let it correct and adjust some of the ways that maybe you're looking at your future and consider again that life really is an unknown. And it's really about this faithful following of Jesus from day to day and season to season and year to year. My hope is as we're in these missional communities 
across Athens, that they, these would be these, these families, right? These families where we could come around the reality of the unknown of our lives and we can walk arm in arm together and encourage one another and call people back to those words of the Lord we gotten of, of assurance that, that we would approach life not isolated, not on our own, not trying to be a solo Christian, but as those in a family where we need each other. I could name names of friends that I need in this season. And they could name me as someone that they need as support as we walk out this faithful following of Jesus. And so may you consider this word today. 